Reading FC laboured to a 0-0 draw with Luton before being beaten 2-1 at home to Preston this week. Two results that left Reading fans wondering exactly where this team is going and what's going to be coming up next for the Royals. Are we going to see a bounce back towards some sort of potential romantic playoff future or are the Royals now heading towards what many thought they're expecting to see this season? And that is perhaps at best a mid table finish. Welcome to the Tyler Sen Podcast, episode 315. I'm your host, Mark Mayer. As per usual, joining me this week is The View from the Dolan, or I guess The View from his sofa for the first half of the week, and then The Dolan for Friday night. Ben Thomas, how's it going, mate? Yeah, all right. It's been um, it's been an interesting week on the pitch, really. So, uh, yeah, kind of eager to, to get into it and choose a fat, as it were. Yeah, definitely. We'll be having a chat about a couple of games this week. As well as your questions in the mailbag, as per usual, the news bites will have a little bit later on, update you on what's been going on around the club. And big match preview, we'll be looking at Watford, which is another televised game. <laughs> I didn't have in a lot of these at the moment. Um, it's Certainly the Boxing Bay game has even been put that back for that. So lots to uh, look forward to as we go into what is actually going to be the last week before the World Cup break, which isn't quite as long for Reading. We'll be talking about that a bit later on, though. So let's first go into the recap. As always, a big thank you to our sponsors, ZCZ Films, and our Patreon subscribers. So let's go and talk about Luton 0, Reading 0, and Reading 1, Preston 2. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras. Well, we may as well tackle these games together because there's quite a lot of similarities that Reading uh, portrayed this week, shall we say. The Luton game, as I say, nil-nil, but actually Reading probably the better team for a lot of this game, but just couldn't, just didn't have the accuracy to kind of make things happen. Andy Cowell and Yakumete up front, as they stayed for the Preston game when um, Chad Evans, or those two second-half goals either side, of a Lucas Shaw penalty sunk Reading. And really the problems that I felt, I'd probably say that Preston, perhaps a little better than Luton. I know Luton fans didn't think they played particularly well for them, but certainly that was a missed chance. And then the Preston game as well, missed, missed opportunity to take at least a point. But Reading's approach to these games and to the Preston game in particular, just kind of left to quite a lot to be desired, I think, in terms of actually forming kind of proper attacks obviously anyone can hoof the ball forward and everything and then it's an Andy Carroll Yakumite strike partnership for both games that inevitably going long and hitting direct balls is going to work to some extent but I actually felt like the the approach that Redden had in these games just didn't really work even if you are going to go long to Andy Carroll you should be able to make that work but it just didn't did it no not not in either game really I mean I think the frustration that that is I say boiling over, but that's not, you know, it's a bit dramatic really. But the, the frustration with with the two results is that we haven't looked, you know, likely to get any sort of coherency up front. And I think given the injuries that we've had, you know, this season, we, we kind of, we're blessed with almost an abundance of, of options up front. And when it doesn't work, you know, rightly or wrongly, the fan base get frustrated because there's options there. Um, I, I think really the, the, the biggest takeaway from from the Preston game, if we kind of start and then go back to Luton, is that I, you know for me I don't understand why there wasn't changes up front. I, I, having Carroll as a focal point for our attack in, in both games just seemed a bit strange to me. Really, um, I, you know I like him as a player. I think 
a lot of his attributes are quite underrated in terms of you know people just assume he's big and 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 we revert to type and, and go long, which is which is effectively what we've been doing for the last two games certainly. Um, but it, but it doesn't work in in the current balance and the blend that we've got in the team because that you know that particularly on Friday night the forward players weren't getting down the wings kind of quick enough and and getting what I'd class as sensible crosses in. But then it wasn't being played to feed to him either. So he's kind of, you know, ploughing a lonely furrow up front. And it's it's very, very difficult to, in some respects, defend the team selection for the for the attacking um to you know the, the attacking area that we had against Preston. So I, I I guess you know I can understand the frustration and from Jao's point of view, I know it was a penalty, but it was probably good when he came on that he he did score himself, just to, to kind of try and get a little bit of confidence back. Um, it, it's, it was very, very turgid at times on Friday night. You know, Luton, not so bad. You know, we get a, a point out of it. Defensively, we were quite good, but we were very, very wasteful up front. And, and you have to wonder whether having Shane Long kind of more involved on, on Tuesday would have, would have yielded, um, you know, a, a maximum return of points. And, and certainly having him against a, a Preston side that were quite happy to, to kind of absorb the pressure really um, on, on Friday night. So it, it was very, very frustrating watching both games. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll take a point all day long, but but the Preston game, whatever you, you know, your, your ambitions for the club are this season, um, that, that's a game that we, we really should be winning to, to, to really kind of get points on the board. Um, it, was, it was all very, very stale and, and, as I said, very turgid and, very, very slow in the transitions and, and there was no real attacking purpose, you know, throughout the game. Changed slightly a little bit with the triple sub. But again, the argument could be, why was that not done at half time? Because it, it clearly wasn't working after the first 45. So why give it another 10 minutes to see if it's going to click when when quite clearly it wasn't. So, you know, all in all, a fairly frustrating week, really, um, on the pitch. And and at the moment, without saying David McGlynn, you have to wonder where the points are going to come from next in terms of the win. You know, we've got two two fairly tricky away games in, in the next week before we break for the World Cup. So it's 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 very difficult. Um, you know, the league is is very, very tight as it is. And, you know, we're, what will be, five points off the playoffs and six points off the relegation zone. So that kind of tells you where we're at and, and, and ultimately probably where we will we will stay this season. Um but you know, there's no doubt that the form's dropped off, and, and certainly the performances that that Ince always wants have, have definitely dropped off as well. So, um, yeah, I would I would expect changes over the next couple of games, certainly. Yeah, the irony of that statistic on the playoffs is that if Preston hadn't scored their late winner, we'd be two points off the playoffs. So it's so that was a bit of a swing there because Preston, obviously, now that team is sick, Reading twelfth, and yeah, I mean, looking ahead, obviously, if Reading are nearer the relegation zone, only three points off the relegation zone. With uh, with the, as the inter as the uh, international break book is called starts, then Reading will definitely be in a bit of bother. I think that to take some of your points there, I think the problem was with the with the kind of attacking transitional phases, and this is, I think it's a little bit of a problem of playing this three four three, which I'm a big fan of, but the it kind of collapses a little bit with Rahman on the left because when you've got Yeardom as a right wing back, he will bring the ball forward quickly. He will be direct. He will transition really well. Hoyt, to a lesser extent for me, but still does a good job of it. Whereas with Rahman, I don't feel there is as much urgency. And also his end product, I mean, putting a cross in the box, I think 
It's probably a bit of an underrated skill in football these days. I mean, we all remember the days of Beckham and all this sort of stuff and landing it on a sixpence. And it's not the sort of thing that every player can do. But to have the balls in that Rahman was putting in on Friday night, they were just awful. They weren't, they were under hit. So there was no pace to them. There was kind of soft, curly things that went nowhere near their man. And they're they're too low. So they get cleared easily. If they're a bit higher, then it doesn't matter necessarily if they've got no pace on them because the attacker can attack it. But they don't get anywhere near the back post or anything like that. And then just generally, you know, even if they're low and soft, they can hit a man and they don't. So this was a massive problem. Hoylett doesn't have a great end product on him. He can get in the box and do stuff and, you know, he can dribble well, which we all know is is good. And, And I suppose this is a problem as well for Tom Ince doesn't have a brilliant end product, although at this level, I'm not going to say it's too bad. And then after that, you've got Loom who can't pass and Hendrik who couldn't, I mean, he gives a good performance kind of three, four out of 10 times really. So that midfield feeding the strikers isn't good enough. And then what you then require, if that's not good enough, is the strikers to create themselves. Carroll can't do that. Mate, seldom. Long is more likely to kind of cause general disruption, a kind of a guess like Carroll, although in a different way. And then obviously Zhao can create for himself. We know that. So what you end up having is a midfield that can't create an, an attack that can't create for itself. And I don't know what the solution is necessarily other than, I mean, getting Yeardom out to right wing back requires new defenders to be fit. Obviously, Mbengue was dropped to the bench, probably rested, let's be fair. He need, probably did need a rest for the Preston game. But otherwise, you Reading have built a team that is very solid in a lot of ways defensively. We can get onto the defence in a little bit. But going forward, I just don't think the personnel is really right to, to play this game of, of putting balls in the box because none of our players really have any end product to deliver quality balls in. No, I mean, there's there's two lines of thought. You either persist with Carroll and you completely change not system to suit him, but you, you, you know, you, you put... You almost play kind of three up front with him down the middle and uh, potentially Mate and Hoyler on either side, kind of trying to push out wide and, and getting those those crosses in the box. Um, or you take him out completely and you you push long and, and potentially Jow in there as a as a front two potentially. Um, you know, and, and give Tom Ince a bit more license behind him because, you know, to be fair to him. Tom Entz was doing the job of about three people on Friday night because it, that that central uh, defensive kind of pivot, if you want to call it that, just wasn't working either. They, you know, Hendrick looked very very slow. Um, he wasn't really making any runs particularly quickly. Uh, like you said, Loon was 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 not not passing particularly well at all, if at all. Um, you know, he he makes all the basic stuff look incredibly difficult. So it it's it's whether or not you persist for me it's whether or not you persist with Carol at the moment and I'm not saying either yes or no but there, there are options available um, the other thing that I was baffled by is that you know after the game Paul in said that it's the, the same players that we're relying on well that's just not true because you know you look at the bench you had sort of Long Jao uh, Fauna uh, Guinness Walker obviously Ajaria and, and any one of those players could have come in and, and done a job on, on Friday night or rather aim to do a job you know of course they're going to be tired they're playing you know Saturday, Tuesday, Friday it's just the way it's just reality you can't keep saying we're tired all the time because what message does that send to the players you know if they put in a substandard performance okay it's because we're tired well 
a lot of people are tired when they're doing their jobs, but there was an option there to to mix it up. And I think that was the most frustrating thing about it. It just felt from the off very, very self-inflicted. And you could, you know, you could tell within five minutes that the tempo of the game wasn't going to be quick. You know, Preston were quite happy, as I said earlier, to absorb the pressure. They were very, very slow to get back into a block. But when they did, they did that fairly well. And they took the two chances they had. You know, all, all credit to them for taking the three points to, to kind of to go ahead and then and then get back in front to get the three points. But there were options there available and there were different things to try. And I, you know, I, I just don't understand why we kind of pretty much played the same way against Luton and it didn't really work. So why do it again? You know, why not mix it up? It's the last home game before the World Cup. The few people that did turn up to the game wanted to see a performance and wanted to see a win, send them off into the into the World Cup break. And it just didn't happen. And it was, you know, it was it was not a good night all round, really. Um, so I, I, I think he, you know, as, as a manager, he's got to be very, very careful with with getting that balance between not throwing the players under the bus, but also not defending you know, substandard performances because we know we've seen it this season. They are capable of much better that group of players um, than than what they've been doing recently. And it's it uh, you know the, the only way I can describe it is just frustrating because it was a for me it was a missed opportunity on on uh, Friday night to to get three points and and to kind of move you know back up the table. The reality is we've won what one in eight games now, and that's that's not great form at all. That's that's really really concerning form. So, and with two home ga- or two away games this week, you can see us sort of going, you know, ten games with with one win, and that's that's a dangerous place to be in heading into a break when people have got time to think, and you know, people might get a bit trigger happy and things like that. So it's 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 really really important that there is at least some sort of reaction over the next two games. To, to, to try and get some sort of balance back into the team. They can then go away and, and kind of refocus and come back in December ready to you know, try and at least get back up the league and, and, and at least win these home games, which is which is what we need. Yeah, it's ironic that the home games have started becoming the problem now because at the start of the season, it was very much the other way round. And I think it's the, you know, the, the narrow defeats to QPR and the Burnley and Swansea. It's, it's, it's annoying, it's disappointing, but fundamentally, we don't expect to win every game at this football club. And the Luton draw taken in isolation, I think there's a lot of merit to it. I just think it's in the combination of these two games that it's frustrating. We are still the fourth best team at home in the league, but that's because we won, was it six in the bounce to start with or five on the bounce? So... We're kind of on a little bit of a decline in the last six games. Yet yeah, we or last last four lost two, drawn one, one one, and it's the fact that the Sunderland, West Brom, and now Preston games have all kind of just passed us by. They've not actually been games that we've played well in and come out thinking, "Oh, we're hard done by." Like I've mentioned the other ones, we've actually just been quite bad. The away form, more as a comparison, more recently, yeah, we've, we've dropped a couple by now. By, by, by one goal, but the performances have been generally a bit better. So it's a, it's a difficult one. I think we're, for Paul Lintz, I know what you're saying. I think for, for if you're going to play Carroll, I think you almost have to be a bit more basic and have those have two options on the wing so that Rahman is the overlap of Vijaria rather than Rahman getting down the left wing, not really having anyone around or having someone like Yeardon pop up who's actually not meant, you know, is a bit more of a centre-back who's now exposed his defence in the process of being there. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I, Paul Ince also was saying about the the fact that the players were getting it forward too quickly and weren't. It kind of sounded like they weren't carrying out his game plan. Um, 
I mean, I'd like to see evidence of what game plan he was meant to be you know, telling them to do because at no point did they really do that. And I suppose the last thing I'd say for Preston is that we, we've spoken about the start, obviously Reading came out, but it kind of stale, didn't really do too much. After you get the equaliser, and I'm not going to talk too much about the penalty because it was less of a penalty than the one we got denied at Burnley the other day, although most penalties are less of a penalty than that. But after we got the equaliser, that is when, in these home games, that's when you have to go on and at least look like you're going to get the winner and everything. You know, you've got 20 minutes after that. Those are the moments where good teams just go and, you know, put the opposition under their thumb and, and get the chances. Whether you take the chances or not, it kind of falls down to individuals. But as a team, do you think Reading did enough for the, you know, certainly for the time between the equaliser and the and the winner and after the winner? Do you think there was actually a kind of, surge of momentum there that Reading kind of needed to pull off because I'm kind of I don't really think there was no and, and this this sums up the game they, they weren't proactive enough to 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 win the game um you know they 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 got a little bit of luck with with the penalty as you said uh converted it brilliant you know you're back in the game you think well, just even the next 10 minutes just sit just just calm everything down you know don't don't give away another goal and and that's exactly what they do um and it's <laughs> Yeah, it's just it is completely self-inflicted, and they they haven't been proactive enough. And 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 your point about these games passing us by is is exactly right. That's exactly what it feels like. You know, we're not we're not a team that's expected to go away and 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 you know roll over or or rather kind of you know beat the teams we're playing. You know, people accept that we're not we're not good away, and that's the reality of the league and and where we've been over the last sort of two, three, four seasons. But the home games and, and sadly the start of the season were looking a lot more promising than they had been in, in previous years. And I think that's the frustration. And, I, you know, with, with going all the way back to, to October with the West Brom home game, you know, on the day West Brom were were good. You know, they were really good. They were, I'd probably say they were better than, than Preston in some respects and we lost the game and that was that. But I felt irritated by that because that was another opportunity to get three points on the board. Same with Friday night. You know, it's... You can't keep having the situation where we, we have these kind of false dawns with these players, and you know the inconsistencies in performance is is just incredibly frustrating because we know what they're capable of. This group, you know, on on their day, they are they're very very good. Um, well, certainly no, you know, no <laughs> worse than anyone else in the league, and and because it is so congested, there's not one team that you look at and go, wow, okay, we really got to worry about them. So they've they've, they've you know they've dropped dropped a fair few points at home recently and that's that is could well be crucial come the end of the season wherever we are um whether that's you know just about avoiding relegation or pushing the playoffs or what I don't know but it's it's so important that these home games are are won because you just away it's it, it's very very difficult um so it, look it's 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 the last one that we've got we're, we're back there on the 10th of December which is where we hope we'll, we'll have a few more players back and a few more options and you know a little bit more fight in the team really because I, I didn't see that on Friday night and, and it, it wasn't um, it, you know it wasn't a happy place to be if I'm honest for sure right let's hear from Paul Instant and then we'll go into News Bites and hear from you guys on the Twitter sphere when I looked at the, um, the game against Luton and the biggest thing that stood out for me is people not going with their runners and that was again today for the second goal. You know, ball goes in, Cindy's got his back to play. We don't go over at runners. And then we don't get in front of the ball to stop the shot. Um, and it is every little mistake we're making, we're getting punished. But it's all about the detail. And you've got to do this little details right. And if you don't, and you think, oh, it's okay, 
and it's not. But it wasn't just that, though. It was just like, you know, there was no probably cohesion to our play. You know, no patterns. We did, I mean, down the right hand side, we got a bit of fun, a bit of joy. You know, you thought Thomas was going to get the equaliser in the last minute. Um, so that's it. I'm not, I'm not standing there saying Preston were a better team because they wasn't. Um, we just, we just looked lethargic, and and I'm hoping we're going to put that down to the three days, three games in six days. For all the latest Reading news, analysis, and opinion, visit the website at thetilehurstend.com. Not really sure about my use of Twitter sphere. Then I feel like that's a bit old. Although you know, maybe maybe we'll have to start charging you to send in questions for Twitter. Maybe that's the future <laughs> for for our social engagement. Or certainly, we found we found another use for the Patreon money. I'll tell you that. But anyway, let's get on to um, some of the questions. And we start with Peter Martyr saying. Um, do we think playing Andy Cowell up top makes the team play the long ball game too much? It really seems to be detrimental to the amount of possession we have. Should we not be mixing up more and play out from the back more? Um, I won't. Uh, hopefully, we have kind of already answered your question, Peter, because I won't spend too long more, much more on the uh, Cowell thing. But I suppose the question is, if we take Paul into his word and they are playing it like too, too long, too quick then the question is whether the players are looking up and thinking, oh my God, that's Andy Cowell. I must pump a long ball forward to him. And if that is what they're thinking, then obviously that needs to be quelled a little bit, doesn't it? So that would still be, I mean, still be on the manager to get that right at the end of the day. Um, let's talk midfield then. Let's go for Sam Richards' question. He says, why in your opinion is Ince not giving Tyrese Fauna more minutes? For me, he would be the first centre midfielder on the team sheet, which is a very valid question. I feel like with the pre- with the Luton game, Ben, I thought, fair enough, you know, maybe not the sort of game that he would be excelling in. I know he um, he came off the bench and everything. And then for the Preston game, I thought this is exactly the sort of game Preston are going to play a low block. They are going to be vulnerable to creative central players like Ajario and Fauna. And only one of those, well, neither of them started. One of them came off the bench. And Fauna, who is raw, but he's got talent. And I feel like he's a sort of player who... You can put him on the pitch and you know whether he's on it within the first 20 minutes. And if you start him and he's not on it, that's fine. Take him off. But if he comes off the bench for the last 10 minutes and Reading are 2-1 down everything, he's not. I don't think he's the sort of player who's going to wrestle something back as, as much. I think he's got, you've got to start him, let him breed into the game and then and then see whether he's at it or not. I don't understand the, the logic in starting, it, well, in not starting him and having Hendrick, who... Is a great guy from all can, from what I can tell, good person in the dressing room and everything, but probably should be taken out of the team every now and again. We got to look at Hendrick's age as well, really, haven't you? It's it, that's that is the the fundamental flaw with with a lot of these players. Is you know they, they are getting older, and you know Hoylet as much as I loved him, he he looked very old on on Friday night. You know he he didn't look anywhere near the kind of the junior Hoylet that we've seen sort of in, in previous games this season. Um, Fauna is a, is an interesting one because there's clearly something about him that Ince doesn't, it, it, you know, isn't completely sold on. Um, he's in and around the squad. He comes on, you know, he adds sort of half an hour to to to, to run around and, and do whatever he does. Um, I, I still don't really understand Fauna or Loom to be honest. Um, you know, early part of the season they they looked all right together. Loom kind of showed a little bit more. Uh, creativity, you know, pops up with a couple of goals or whatever, or one goal, can't remember off the top of my head. But it's, you know, that that, that is a, a, a kind of a piece of jigsaw that does need to be sold moving forward. And, you know, Hendrick is not going to be one of those players that is going to go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. It's just not going to happen. 
but he seems very, very uh, reticent to, to drop him for whatever reason. Um, or even, you know, in, in some respects, take him off. So I, I don't know. I, I think the only person really can answer that is, is Paul Ince. Um, but you look at it and you're thinking, well, they, they, they can't, there really can't be any justification for for playing Hendrick and Loom together uh, come Tuesday night. You, you would expect one of those, if not both of them, to be to be taken out of the team on, on Tuesday. Because again, if he doesn't do that, and I know as Reading fans, we're always clamouring for the next thing. And when we get this player back, and it'll be different when this person plays and all the rest of it, like we've done for several years. But, the, you know, based on their current form and productivity, there is no way that, that both of those players can start together um, on, on Tuesday night. Absolutely no way. So, you know, it, it probably seems sensible to, to chuck Fauner in on the basis that he can't do any worse than those two currently. Um and I don't think that's being knee-jerk. That's just a kind of a, a, a gradual build-up of, of poor performances, which which led us to, you know, Luton, we kind of saw flashes of it, but but Friday night, really, um, where, where neither of them were, were very good at all. So it, he, he needs to to seriously consider, you know, how he's going to make those those three work um, and whether or not Ajara comes into that mix as well, whether he kind of fills in that position and, and tries to play a bit more forward. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but we're, you know, it's. I suppose it's nice to have a few little options like this, but it, it doesn't help when he doesn't use them and he doesn't kind of utilise them to good effect when when things aren't working. So I think the most interesting part of, of Tuesday will will be the um, will be the team sheet and you know how we're set up to play against them really. Well, it sounds like having having quite a few options all of a sudden and not really knowing how to use them sounds like the debate we're having on the strikers. So, yeah, I think that for, the only reason I think that Ince isn't playing him is because Fauna maybe doesn't do his hard work defensively and maybe that just kind of bars him from playing regularly and Ince does or Tom Ince does, um, Hendrik does and Loom does and that's it. They're, they're the ones because they make the defensive work, right? And I think... That is something that Fauna has to introduce to his game if he wants to make it at a Premier League level, plays for a Premier League club at the end of the day. But yeah, that's where we're at with that one. I, I don't, I'm not sure that you necessarily will play against Watford. That's my problem. And um, Right, let's go talk about defending them. Eddie Cor saying, while we have seen success for using the low block, do we have the strength in defence to get away with it using long or get away with using it long term? This system requires defensive players to be on it, ruthlessly punishes lapses in concentration should we persist? And similarly, Paul Lane said, how are we conceding so many goals from crosses, corners and set pieces? Why is Mate not playing right wing and give Tomlins the freedom to play centrally behind the striker slash won the game? So the problem is with the defence then. For me, I mean, the second goal just really infuriated me on Friday night. I, don't, I know it's... I know it's probably lazy to think that players just dive in and win the ball, and that's not what I'm suggesting. But I know that Ince, Paul Ince was really furious with Tom McIntyre because what I, I saw he was shouting at him on the touchline, basically, wasn't he, after the goal? And he alluded to it in his post-match press conferences when he says that players weren't getting in the blocks and stuff like that. And this is the thing about the second goal for me is that it's not that Tom McIntyre has to slide tackle and win the ball. It's that he's got to be close enough to actually make a block if the shot comes off. It's a lot easier to do that the closer you are to the ball, shot horror. So 
it really, it's, it's my biggest bugbear that I've always had with Liam Moore was that he dropped off and dropped off and dropped off. McIntyre's always done it as well, which has wound me up. And he, he you know, I think he's probably learned it from Moore, um, perhaps at least. So I I agree with Eddie that the, the low block is something that Reading have to get right. The thing is, Yeardom is not our first choice centre-back. He's our first choice right wing back and he's not able to play there. And Bengay's come in and has looked good. But he wasn't, I mean, as I said earlier, not too fussed when being taken out every now and again, needs to be rested, young player, et cetera, et cetera. Holmes, I have no problems with, really. Generally, I think he's been really good this season. McIntyre, I've just said about. So those are the three centre-backs we've had. Two of them aren't meant to be playing there because you should have Sam Hutchinson, who I think he's started 10 games for Reading this year and Reading have won six. That's a really good win rate for any team, really. And then McIntyre should be playing because Saar... And I know we haven't seen much of Nabi Saar this season, but fundamentally he should be first choice if he's fit. So I'm frustrated with the defence a lot, but I just know for a fact that this is the one area of, a pit, of the pitch where we have actually really struggled for personnel. Yeah, well, the, the, I mean, the whole point is that, you know, Hutch went off, what, 25, 26 minutes, something like that. If, if memory serves against QPR, and since then they've, they've just they've not looked great defensively. All right, they kept a clean sheet against Luton, but you know <laughs> Luton didn't offer much at all up front um, on Tuesday. So for me, it, it, it is like you say, square pegs round hole stuff. It, it really is, um, and I don't know why he just doesn't bite the bullet for the next two games. If, if Hutchinson's not going to be available, just go right. We'll just play flat back four. You know, go Yeardon, Holmes, um, McIntyre, and then you know. Rahman or, or Guinness Walker at left back and just leave it at that. You know, the, the ne- next question will be, well, where's the whip in the side? Well, you can, you can talk about that once you've got your defence set up and, and and how that moves. But having the option of, of Hoylet, Mate, sort of, you know, on the left and right or, or whatever to, to kind of get forward and, and put some running in gives other players a little bit more freedom to, to do things further up the pitch. It's it's very, very difficult at the moment because, you know, Yeardom is, is not, as you said, is not not centre back. And Bengue did okay, but he's not going to give you you know twenty six games or whatever in a row to, to be able to consistently you know perform at this level. Um, <clears throat> and what what we've what we've lacked really is a little bit of leadership. I think to his credit, Tom Holmes has, has stepped up and done the best he can. But you know when you're having a sort of game that, and I you know I don't want to get on his back because everyone's doing it on Friday and it's fashionable now and all and all the rest of it, but. You know, McIntyre did not have a good game at all on on Friday. Obviously, he was at fault for the for the second goal. <clears throat> you could argue as long as you like about the first goal, but again, it was a poor goal to concede from from a defensive point of view. So I don't know why he just doesn't go. Well, look, Tuesday night we're just going to go flat back four, and then we'll, we'll we'll play it this way until we've got Hutchinson back because th- there's no one in that three that is a really a, like a natural leader. Um, and I know that he rates Tom Holmes as, as a kind of a vice captain. Obviously, he's been captain this season as well, but he still lacks that inexperience. And having Hutchinson in there, who is who is arguably or, or has arguably been for me one of our better players this season when he has played, um, you know, helps him out massively, improves his game. He's done the best he he, he can in his absence, Tom Holmes. But it, it's not defensively; it's not working. Um, and that they're not really sure of their roles in that setup with with you know Yeardom and, and, and Holmes and McIntyre, and it just it just didn't look right from the off. So 
yeah, it's it, again, it's another difficult one, and unfortunately, it's not. It's not like other areas of the pitch where they can confidently go right. I'm going to put him in there, and he's going to do that job really well. You know, everyone's talking about Naby Sarr. I honestly can't tell you anything about him because we've hardly seen him this season. And and what I saw, I thought he was okay. But you know, <laughs> we need a bit more than okay at the moment. And at least with with Sam Hutchinson, we know what we're going to get. And if you if you move to a back four, you know it, it becomes a little bit easier for those players to at least stick to their tasks and get the defensive side of it set up and you know get blocks in and get close to those players with a little bit of cover. Really, yeah, I think that the the, the final. I mean, my, I I have hesitancy over the back four myself because we switched to a back four against Sunderland and just got picked off. That's my my hesitancy is that because McIntyre isn't as strong a centre back as. Holmes and you know Hutchinson etc the fact that there's three of them kind of covers that off in to a large extent is what I'm kind of happy about the back three does it just means that you know we've then as we've spent the whole show saying you've then got to balance your midfield to make sure that that's not too you know tilted one way or the other which Reading haven't done so we'll have to see for the defence we've got two very kind of difficult home away games actually I mean Hull's home form is, is okay Four wins in ten. It's not actually good, really. So maybe that's not a difficult one, but Watford certainly will be. And it just, I, I just have a little bit of hesitancy in saying, well, let's just go for it because maybe we can go for it at Hull. Maybe that's the one to try for. But with Watford, let's face it, we're going to try and grind out a a, a, a point or a one nil win like we have done everywhere else. Things aren't going to change for Watford, and nor do I necessarily think they should. It just maybe the strike force and such could could be spruced up a little bit. Right, let's go into. News Bites then. You can always get in touch with the show with the Tyler Send at gmail.com as well as the Facebook and the Twitter. Let's have some News Bites then. Talk about what's been going on around the club this week. You're listening to the Tyler End podcast by Reading fans for Reading fans. Right, well, I'll reel off what's been going on for the other Reading FC teams and then we can have just a quick chat on what's uh, another matter that's been floated about recently. Reading FC women, unfortunately, after a great 2 1 win at home to Leicester. Last weekend, lost 3-0 to Man City this week. So that was still only one win on the board for them in the WSL. As we said before, it's going to be a tough season. Hopefully, somewhere we can talk next week a little bit more about because of the WSL will continue while the men's game pauses at this level. Um, the under-21s bounced back from a 3-0 defeat to Swansea with a 7-2 win at Ipswich, which was uh, certainly a, a nice little... Noel Hunt Derby, I guess, in a way. But uh, Femi Aziz with a hat-trick in the first half. And Yarko Holzman and Akande also on the score sheet for that one. So, um, yeah, not bad, that one. And Reading under-18s, they beat Millwall 1-0 in the 95th minute on the uh, weekend as well. So they're doing that. That was the Millwall actually flying really high in the, uh, the professional development league that they're in. So that was a good win for the under-18s. And, yeah, great to see Aziz back in the uh, under 21. So that's one, the other thing I wanted to talk about news bites uh, this week is people certainly after the person game had a few questions online about club 1871 and it's, you know, it's impacting everything and maybe it's, whether it's perhaps suffering from not being very new or maybe whatever reasons people think it's not great, whether it's quiet or the people there are not acting in a great way and such. I mean, it's not something that, I have some minor opinions on it. I always want things to be more atmospheric and louder, but then 
in this country, I don't think there's any team that can sustain 90 minutes of noise unless the team's doing brilliantly. Uh, you know, even the best atmospheres in the world have quiet points. And also, I mean, I'm not a fan of the whole, it's the jumping on the netting during the goal celebrations for about a yard, giving it the big gun and then kind of sliding back in that I'm not a fan of. But I don't know, what's your thoughts on this, Ben? It's had a bit of discussion after the Preston game, so I thought we'd broach it. Yeah, it did. And I, I don't really know why, if I'm honest. It it seems to be, you know, that, that when we have a couple of bad results, people look to within the fan base to to have a moan and a whinge about something that that, that people have, have tried hard to, you know, to, to be proactive and, and to change things and to move things forward. And I don't, unless you're coming up with a really good idea to, to completely rip it up and start again, it, it, going online and criticising, I just think is is bizarre. Um, you know, I have, I have no affiliations to, to Club 1871 at all. You could, you know, you never get me out of the Dolan, to be honest. I love it, obviously, uh, over there. But uh, you know, I, I I appreciate as a as a as a running football club fan what what those guys have tried to do and what they are trying to do. I say guys, I don't know if, if they are all men. I'm just saying that as a, as a figure of speech, really. But it, it it seems very unfair that that when things aren't going right on the pitch, that that certain sections of of you know, the fan base get blamed for it or, you know, there's problems or whatever. The, the whole running towards away fans is, uh, it, it's not something I would be doing. Um, might be an age thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm there to watch football and, and not concentrate on other people, to be honest. But, you know, you, you get it at every club. There will be a, a section of people that are nearest the away fans that spend their whole game looking at what the away fans are doing. Um, and that that obviously from a, from a practical safety point of view that that causes problems for the stewards and the safety team at the club that the netting is is of serious concern because obviously someone gets on there and they you know they fall down it they're, they're in serious risk of, of hurting themselves that's really boring so there's a, there's a fundamental element there of, of being safe um I, you know there are a core group of people that, that have set this up that have, have tried and are trying really hard. And I don't think you can ever criticise people for doing that. It, it seems to me that they are um, they are open to suggestions and they want suggestions, just like you know we do when we ask questions or improvements to, to what we're doing as, at the Tireless. Then same with staff, we're always looking for for people to to come in and suggest things. And you know, constructive criticism is is what you know, particularly Tireless End and and, and staff thrive off. So. You know, I can't imagine that, that Club 1871 aren't any different, but it, it just seems bizarre and petty to me that, that people will attack them and other parts of the fan base. And, you know, you get accused of, of not making noise or making too much noise or singing the wrong songs or whatever. Like, it, it just seems ridiculous to me. Um, and I, I, I don't understand why people do it. And, it, you know, it, it frustrates me. And we had a season last, last year where you know, the fan base was very, very divided for, for a number of reasons. Um, I'd like to think that some of those things have, have, have moved on now and it's not as divided as it was. But, yeah. you know, going after Club 1871 after we lose 2-1 to Preston is, for me, is not the one. Um, and I, I, I don't understand really where it came from. On, <laughs> yeah. Friday night, I really don't. Well, we'll go into a uh, big match preview now. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you Oz! Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films. 
showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop. So welcome back to the show then and big match preview. Just as a yeah, just as a final thought on the 1871 chat. I mean, fundamentally, it is a question of if you can, you know, think of improvements and stuff, I'm sure they're definitely open to it and and getting these things through. And and yeah, I think that ideally there's always more atmosphere and everything. And actually, you know, there's been a lot of games this year where it's been a brilliant atmosphere and things the atmosphere nine times out of ten emanates from stuff on the pitch, doesn't it? And you can say what you want about you know, it, it extends beyond the 1871. It, the best run club in the world, the best run, you know, stadium, the best priced food and everything. Ultimately, if your team is crap or playing crap, then that kind of rules out 90% of the benefit of it, doesn't it, um, in reality. So let's talk about the uh, the final two games Reading will have before this World Cup break then. So we have Watford on Tuesday night. That is a eight o'clock kickoff. It's on Sky Sports as well. And then on Saturday, the 12th of November, 3pm classic kickoff, Hull City away. And then it's not till the 10th of December that Red in the back. We've got Coventry, Birmingham Friday night, and then uh, we've got Boxing Day, or the 27th actually is Swansea after that. So Red in the back during the World Cup. It's after the group stage. So um, we've seen already, I think that we've had it confirmed already that Yidom and Rahman are part of the preliminary Ghana squad. Don't know if they're in the main one. Um, I think it's the 10th, isn't it, as these things have to be confirmed by Junior Hoylett also. I believe those three are the only three in reality going. I don't really think Buzanis is part of the Australia team very often, but, um, you know, that happens to be moving wrong on that. So what it means is that in reality, probably Reading are going to have most of their players back for the for the return at least, um, unless Ghana or Canada happen to go far in Qatar. So Watford then, Tuesday night, I think this is... As I said earlier, Ben, one of those games are ready and are going to go set up, be perhaps a little bit predictable, perhaps set up as a as a low defensive block and everything, try and make things happen on the break, pretty much like Coventry did on the weekend, and they won one 0 with thirty three percent of possession. So I think Paul Lynch will be watching that uh, videotape, feeling like he might have a couple of ideas how to make it work. Yeah, I mean Coventry scored pretty early in the second half, and there's a was it 50 minutes or so, something like that? Yeah. So, you know, they had a fair bit of, of time to, to, to kind of defend effectively. Um, look, you know, it, as I said earlier, there's not um, there's not one team that you look at in this league and go, wow, okay, got to be, got to be scared of them or got to be fearful of them or whatever. Um, you know, maybe in the early part of the season that was a case, but everyone's beating everybody now, you know, and, and, and the classic was yesterday with Sheffield United who'd been out of form and, and going and beat Bailey 5 2. So, there's there's very little room for you know for correct scoring I guess in terms of guesses and predictions, but you know from from our point of view in terms of Watford that you know market value they've probably got the most expensive squads uh, in the championship you know they've got Jao Pedro they've got Saar um, they've got Keenan Davis who I like last season who who you know I, I still like I think he's a good player Ken Semmer you know places play, players like this and that that really have have individual quality but for whatever reason I guess because they've you know had more managers than I've had hot meals over the last couple of years that that they've not had that stability um whether or not Billet will, will see out the season I don't know I, I can't imagine he will the way that they're going at the moment but it hasn't clicked for them this season at all and I don't think there's huge reasons for us to be to be fearful. That said, I don't, you know, we don't see us picking up all three points, but a draw would, would be great considering the kind of form that we're in. So, 
it's it's going to be an interesting one. Um, on you know, it's on Sky, so you know we're we're going to perform pretty badly, um, as as we often seem to do these days. But look, it, you're right. Having having me said, you know, I wanted to to see this, I want to see that. I, I can't see he's going to make huge changes for for Watford with with the game being, you know, forty eight hours away. Um, if there are other players to come back in the squad, you know, Hutchinson maybe or other players can can step up to, to get back in there, then great. But otherwise, I don't see a huge shift in, in formation. It's more about the personnel for me, really. Um, so, look, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, for, for these players, they've they've just got to show, a, a, you know, a, a decent performance and and a little bit, I say pride. Again, that's, is that the right word? Not sure, but they've just got to be a little bit more proactive in the game for me. Um, and, and hopefully we'll see that on Tuesday night. Yeah, the last uh, Reading uh, suffered a two-nil defeat at uh, Watford last time they were there in April 2021, which I seem to remember as a bit of a, a um, playoff kind of decidery sort of game, wasn't it? That Reading went into it and, and lost. Can you actually tell me this is a bit of a pub quiz question? You tell me the last player of Reading's to score a winning goal at Vicarage Road for Reading. Obviously, it might have done a different time, but for, for Reading, can you tell me the last player who scored a winner? At Vicarage Road. Um, oh, a wild guess. I'm going to go no hunt. It was Casper's Gorks. Was it really? It was. Well, we we won in uh, January 2012, which was actually on TV as well. A fam- famous game that I remember because it was the classic comeback Reading at that point with Cabe scoring an equaliser, then Lafonda scoring in the 85th minute off the bench, as he did that season. And then, yeah, we had a 1-0 win January 2014, Casper um, scoring in the fifth minute um, for Reading against a Watford team that included like a Hector Bellerin and Troy Deeney. So, uh, yeah, that was, we've obviously had a few years in the, or they've obviously had a few years in the Premier League, so we've not played them huge amounts recently. Um, mm. But yeah, it's a team that... Was that just, the season they went up? Was that, uh, or, or, or that, that ridiculous game against Leicester? Was that 2014? So they went up after beating us 4-1, which was a game which fans may remember was the game we played about two days before playing the FA Cup quarterfinal replay, wasn't it? So That's that, right, yeah. We that had was the game we played. Euro Travner, Jack Stacey. We could do a, a terrible podcast on the, trying to guess the starting eleven for this. Yeah. That was a Steve Clark masterclass, that one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, that was Jem Carachan actually scoring, I believe, his last ever goal for Reading um, as a mm. complete consolation in that one. But yeah, Novakovic, Zach Knight started and played in that one. Um, yeah, some very interesting players played in that game. Yakubu and Simon Cox started up front straight out of 2009, that one. So, uh, so yeah, we have a not, not a particularly massive record against Watford of late, and they're obviously a bit topsy-turvy, but... I think this is, yeah, Reading are just going to go and sit in, really, aren't they? It's un- unfortunate that it's not probably going to be a great watch. Um, I probably would want maybe Long and Mate or or Mate Zhao. I don't think I'd start Carroll up front for this one, but we'll just have to see what Reading can do. We've, we'll also, let's have a word on Hull, because the podcast will be back after Hull um, on Saturday. And that is actually a game that Reading, I mean, really do need to think, particularly if Reading lose that they will have lost to a team below them, which will drag them into things. And, you know, no matter what happens, that, you know, Hull will be below us when we start that game. Absolutely terrible defensive record, Hull. 35 conceded. That's six more than the second worst defensive record in the league. So, 
Reading really just need to go. I don't know. Do we just go and, and go hammer and tong at it, or as ultimately, I suppose if this is a game that's going to depend on the Watford result, isn't it? If we lose to Watford or lose badly, this turns into a bit of a must-win, doesn't it? I think how does become a must-win because you know we're we're looking at ten games without a, a, a win or ten or one game in in in. Uh, 10 games and that becomes problematic you know coming into the break and then coming out of it again because the mood will be very very low and then Coventry I know we're sort of you know a month away but that becomes a must win as well so the pressure that that, that could be you know on the team at that point would, would be massive um, you know Hull again they've just changed manager they've obviously got Liam Senior in who, who will probably do a reasonably good job for those guys but it's you know, it is very, very difficult to to predict what will happen. I think we'll know a little bit more after the Watford game, um, but certainly with with Harlet, it's it's not an easy game either. I know they've been sort of pretty poor on form and they've not been coping particularly well either. Um, but it's you know to to get any sort of points over the next two games would would be very welcome. I, I don't see either of those being wins to be honest, but we'll have to just see what happens. Um, and kind of hope for the best. Well, we'll certainly be doing that. Let's do some predictions then to round off the show. None of us predicted a defeat to Preston. Uh, Handbags and Ollie said we would draw with Luton, so not a huge amount of change at the top. Ben, you're, you're level with Handbags now on 11 points, so I'll give you the first shot at saying what's going to happen against uh, Watford. But, um, me saying that it's really hard to predict this season, I've actually done a lot with these predictions so far. Um, so I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> well, we've all done um, badly. You're the best of a bad bunch, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, Watford, I'd take one all. I really would. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick that as, as the prediction. Um, yeah, one all. Well, I'm going to go for a 1-0 defeat, um, being pragmatic. Although I thought I was being pragmatic for Luton and we, we grew. So there we go. Um, yeah, I actually defeat, I predicted us to lose to... Bristol City as well, which didn't go too down too well. So maybe being pragmatic isn't the way to approach this. It's the championship at the end of the day. And that's the kind of saving grace, really, isn't it? Is that you know, Watford just lost to Coventry at home. Um, it's very plausible that Reading can go and win this game against um what will obviously be the odds uh in Reading's or in Watford's favour at least. So we'll have to see. Keep uh keep it tuned with the Tyler Sense social media and obviously blog and website to uh see all our reaction, player ratings and everything from that. Ben, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show. And I think um, I, I'm off next week. So as things planned, not to force us on you too, uh, too publicly, but might be helming the show next week. Yeah, I can definitely do that. No problem at all. Should be um, should be all right, I guess, really, hopefully. Uh, obviously, won't do anyone here as good a job as you do, but I'll, I'll give them a best shot. Um, yeah, have a good week, everybody. Let's hope for, for some points on the road at least. And um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll catch up next weekend. Oh, too kind. Well, I think certainly for Reading this week, it's going to be a case of going going away from home and seeing if we can just salvage a bit of momentum and a bit of morale, potentially going into the, that World Cup break. Let's hope that we go into that with a couple of uh, you know a couple of wins or at least one win. I think one win away from home this week will be enough to send us into that World Cup break a bit happier, a bit perkier, and looking up rather than down as we go into the December and January slog as we try and catch up after these these uh, World Cup break games that we'll be missing. So we'll be back next week to talk that and uh, hopefully we'll have some plans as well for some interesting content during the World Cup break. Hopefully we won't be going anywhere too soon, too quickly. And as always, come on your arse.
is my affair. 